Shepherd, this is also episode 124 of In the Movie Podcast, and this is also the second time that I've actually tried to do this introduction because apparently seven eighths of a can of red stripe is all it takes for me to not be able to say the word welcome. Yep, and I'm Callum Reid, and um, that doesn't bode well for the rest of the podcast because whenever you have beer, you pretty much end up slagging something. Somebody right. will get burned by the beer at some point, it's inevitable. It, 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 Disparagement and besmirchment, that's that's the name of the game. Probably Emma Watson, who knows. Oh, actually... Just a retro factor. It's the week of Kira, so it's obviously going to be Kira. Are we going to retrofit it as well? So we'll do do Olsen and Watson. (laughs) Okay, so this week it's the week of gay heroes. So a, a hero of the gays has a message for you. Oh, God. Oh Where do you get the time to do this? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Who is this, Diana Ross? Of course it's Diana Ross. I've never heard that song before in my life. Me neither, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> you were searching through Spotify for the word house. Yes. <laughs> so, finally, people who are just listening to the podcast, Pete has yes. finally um, got the keys to his house that He's been bleating on about for months. It, it's a no no chain, and it's, it's taken five months. Five months. It's it's a record for my solicitors. <laughs> Not the um, flattering one. Well, it, no, it wasn't their fault, to be fair. But yeah, no, it, it's it's oh, mercifully it's over. Like the smooth thing. Yeah, and um, so now I'm just every day I'm spending money. It's it's insane. This is it. This is, this is the road to middle aged. Yeah, one of the guys at work was saying to me, "You'll be like, you'll be sat there one day, you'll get, we'll go. Hang on, where's my money gone? I had money a minute ago. Where's it gone? <laughs> so that's gonna be you for the rest of your life. That's like me every week, to be fair. <laughs> Grief. It's me on a Saturday night. Anyway. Okay. Um. Do we have any sporting news apart from England beating Scotland? What did you think about Federer? Pulling out of the uh, World Tour Finals when he's obviously going to play in the Davis Cup next week. He was in the final. Yeah, and he, against Djokovic, he pulled out, and then they had to ring up Andy Murray at home, and apparently he's playing on Mario Kart, <laughs> and <laughs> couldn't make this up. And he came in and did a one-set exhibition with Djokovic. I don't know why he would do that. Is that because he just doesn't care about the ATP Tour? Finals or what? Well, no, I think he's priority. I think he probably had a twinge, and he thought, "I'm not risking this for, I'm not risking the Davis Cup for this." But it's interesting because he fell out with Vavrinka, or mm. he, Vavrinka wasn't happy with him um, because something happened during the game, and Federer's people were making noise. Oh, in the semi. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that he then kind of. I can't believe we're talking about semis in the week of gay heroes. It's the week of heroes as well. Uh, well, yeah, well, that'll be the first. <laughs> um, yeah, 
But <laughs> I would have I would have thought he would have pulled out the Davis Cup rather than the other one. But I can't believe we talk about pulling out as well. This is we're not getting off to a clean start, are we? Well, who's well, fault? I'm not, I'm, I'm not fault is that? <laughs> I'm not laying this. Well, it's not going to get much cleaner if we go into the film news. What we, and cue Mr. Chernoff. People Magazine have been voting. Um, whoever votes on the People Magazine polls, um, they've been voting on Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah. And they've decided number one Sexiest Man Alive is Chris Hemsworth. Is this in the realm of film? Um, Are there only actors on the list, I mean? I'm trying to think who was... There were many actors on the list. Yeah, I think it is only actors. Yeah. So number two is Chris Pratt. What? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's, uh, he's, got, he's a charming guy. But I mean, if I, I if I'm just thinking of like people around his age, I mean, I would have thought JT would have, been, would have been above him. No, not in the top ten. Wow. Eddie yeah. Redmayne is in the top ten. That's very surprising. Bradley Cooper is in the top ten. That's very unsurprising. Uh, the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey is in the top ten. I don't know who he is. Have you not who, seen who's the trailer? Who's, no, who's doing it? Jamie Dornan, who no, never heard of him. was going out with Keira Knightley. <laughs> oh, is that, is that his sole claim to fame? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, no, he's in The Fall with um, Gillian. Oh, right, okay. Have you seen that at all? No, no. I don't know why. Mm. I think it started, I think it was already like three or four in and I thought well, I couldn't be bothered to watch three or four in a row to catch her. She isn't related to Carla Bruni, so. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. That's um, a reference to Valeria Bruni Tedeschi who was in, what was it, like Human Capital we reviewed last week? Yeah. Yeah, she's dead spit for Julian Anderson. She is, yeah. Gillian Anderson still looking great. Um, Ageless Beauty. Very lovely presence on the one we're en- show. We're ending, we're ending on that, by the way. There's a song by Stars called Ageless Beauty. <laughs> I like Stars. Mm. Have you heard um, From the Night? Um, I've heard all, all of the North, uh, the album, and I've heard bits of others. Um, Hold On When You Get Love and Let Go When You Give It is really good. And uh, there's what did you see? Did I show you that one where the eternal it's like the eternal sunshine homage for the video? No. Ooh, your ex lover is dead. Put that put oh that God. stuff into uh, put that stuff into YouTube. The end of it is the words are just brilliant. Okay. That can be the jam. We're going mm. backwards this week. Yeah. Okay. So second bit of news. It's this is a bit of a trivial news segment, but um, do you remember me telling you about Jack O'Connell being in the Angelina Jolie film? Yes, I saw the trailer or something. Oh, I read something about it. Yeah, uh, Unbroken. He plays Louis Zamperini. Mm. So, him and Jolie have been getting quite close. And he's been teaching her, because he's from Derby, he's been teaching her some of the local phrases that he uses. Right. Or greetings. Yeah. So this is her at the Hollywood Film Awards talking about this. It is my privilege to present the new Hollywood Award to the least Hollywood artist I know. Straight from Derby. A up me duck. Gosh. Jack O'Connell. <laughs> I actually did see something about this on uh, when his uh, work my mother uh, peruses the BBC website at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so A up me duck is what she said. Apparently that's the term. 
gosh. Um, but then I looked it up and there's been a lot of talk about this, been a lot of news segments. Mm. So I saw this one, I think it's Indian, um, Indian Celebrity News Roundup, and they were particularly taken with it. Really? Most famous actress Angelina Jolie left some audience members baffled when she greeted Derby actor Jack Connell with A. Apni Duck at an award ceremony. <laughs> oh, God. It's like it's... Is this, is this the female Indian version of the theory of everything? <laughs> How do you mean? Because <laughs> it's just like she's. It sounds like she's reading each syllable individually. <laughs> hey, up, me, duck. <laughs> just brilliant. I thought that was better than the actual story. Yeah. So yeah. It's not as good as these red stripes. This what? It's not as good as these red stripes. Mm. Few things are. Mm. Might need another. Okay, have you got anything to add? Did did you have some kind of news? Me, it was just the house, isn't it? I thought you, I thought you said we might match a bit of news this week. Oh yeah, um, uh, Joan Rivers' replacement announced for Fashion Police. Surely you're talking about this. I don't know. Is it Kathy Griffin? It is Kathy Griffin. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Best choice. That was rumored for a while. Um, she's. I mean, she's not the same. In, she's the same as in she'll say anything. Yeah, she's outrageous, yeah, yeah. but she's not. She won't tell the same jokes. They'll be probably be more intricate and less bitchy. Yeah, but it you know it's it's a good direction. They need, they need someone. For, they need someone who's comedian. Yeah, her, they do. Yeah, to anchor it. Yeah, yeah, and it won't be the same show, but it can still be great. Mm. Okay, all right. So we're going to start this week by. Basically, I have been catching up with 2014 films. So while someone's got to, yeah. So while I've I'm not seeing the drop this week, mm. which I'm now going to have to catch up on. I cannot believe you've ditched your boy, and it really is your boy. Boys, sure really? not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm ashamed. With facial hair as well. I know. Although it's. it's it, mm. I, I, We'll come to the range later, but I've it's got... a possible Hathaway actually with his hair. His hair's quite long and dodgy. It's a bit grungy. It would have to be, you know. A it's mess. not. A re- it would no, no, no. It's not. It's not a no. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. So while I haven't seen that, I have seen three films that were out in early two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, first up, As Above, So Below. Do you remember why, this? Being why have I heard of this? This was a horror film um, yes. out earlier in the year. Yes, 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 I remember it, yeah. And it was about, it's basically it's about this urban archaeologist, apparently they exist. Um, it's basically Sam Neill who goes in a skate park. Well, it's a woman. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> oh, he's a paleontologist, I've completely gone for the wrong one there. I know, I know what you meant. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford. <laughs> It's about an yeah, it is actually. It's about an urban archaeologist searching for the philosopher's stone. Oh my god! Couldn't make this up. Um, we see her at the beginning uncovering information from Iran. The search takes her to Paris. Um, Zargo meets the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> meets the descent. <laughs> 
So she ends up in the catacombs underneath the streets of Paris, where all the lost souls are. Like Irini, she's there this week. Is she? Yeah. Oh god. Go, go on, go I hope on she Inst- hasn't seen this film. Go on Instagram, man. <laughs> so she and other five others go down there, um, and they end up encountering demons from their own past. Don't we all? Don't we all? At one time or another. So, um. I thought it was a cool idea to mix horror with archaeology. Mm. And have you seen what's uh, the film The Pyramid that's advertised? Seen the posters at all? The the Pyramid? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, it's going to be a similar thing. It's um, the guy who did the Hills Have Eyes remake is is doing a film about ancient Egypt, a horror film, found footage. Mm. So, in this case, it's interesting, but it's disappointing um, in terms of this film because it's firstly it's got found footage, which is just a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's been done to death now, mm. and it's because it's got found footage. It's got to explain how we see everything in the film. Yeah. So they've got cameras on top of the heads, of course they have, and they link to each other, and it's switching between them. It's like aliens. It's like what? Aliens. Cameras on top of their heads, linked to each other. When was that? When they go into the um, uh, attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it is it like was... that, but it's, it's, it's just very self-conscious with that. Um, and I just... It's because they're going down into catacombs, it's got the claustrophobia, the descent did this a lot better. Um... So I don't think they really live up to the potential. Mm. Well, they do- definitely don't. And um, it ends up just being a people getting picked off one by one kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but the actual idea of As Above, So Below is interesting. And it's sort of like um, what's in your mind could also be outside of your mind. And you could visualize, um, I don't know, what, what secretly uh, torments you so that's what Saturday night at the Royal (laughs) (laughs) can I just interrupt with uh, more news by all means Uh, I don't know if this this is old news then um, I I apologise but um, uh, have you seen the Cinderella uh, trailer no it's got like 11 million views who directed it Who's directing it? I don't actually know. I'll see if they put it up at the end. I've just seen the trailer. Someone linked it on Facebook. It's not going to say on a Disney one. It just says Disney Cinderella and doesn't say who directed it. But it is, sorry, Kate Blanchett playing the uh, uh, evil stepmother. Oh. And it looks um, potentially um, Camp Central. Well... It's it's like are we going to get all this stuff now? Like we had two Snow White films the other year. Mm. Is it now? Are we going to get Sleeping Beauty again? Now we've got Maleficent and um, mm. I don't know what are the other ones. Red okay. Riding Hood and all this. Yeah. So I don't. It depends who's directed it, but I'm sure we'll probably see it. Yeah. Um, it is. It is, I can tell you straight away. The joys of the iPhone, Ken Branner. Oh, wow. And Helena Bonham Carter, 
is playing the fairy godmother. Okay. They've, well, they've, obviously, they've, obviously, they've obviously patched it up. If it's Ken Branagh, it will be fun. It'll be more fun than serious, because Thor was really camp. Mm. There's some interesting people in the cast. You've got uh, Ben Chaplin, Derek Jacobi, Stellan Skarsgård, Hayley Atwell. Lily James is playing Cinderella. I don't think I know her. No. She might be new. Okay. I think she is. I think she's on debut. No, Actress 12. War and Peace, Point Pictures and Zombies, Silent Dream and Downton Abbey, Lady Rose McClare on Downton Abbey. Oh, wow. Oh, she's good. Really? Yeah. I'll have to take your word for that. <laughs> also, Joe Wright's doing Peter Pan next year. Let me guess, Kira's Tinkerbell. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, okay, next film I've got is called Black Cold Thin Ice, and it's a Chinese film. It won the Golden Bear at Berlin. Oh, I do, I do know the title. Um, it starts in 1999. Um, body parts are discovered along a kind of trail of coal trains throughout China. Uh, five years later, someone else is killed in a similar way. Turns out both guys are related to this woman. So there's a couple of cops investigating the woman, but one of them, the alcoholic one, falls in love with her and things become entangled. Mm. So is this, is this really emotional? I seem to remember it being... It's, ver- it's very... Because the woman has a lot of trauma and the actress playing her, who's Loon May, May Guay or something, Loon May Guay, is um, really great and she's very introspective as an actress. Um, so it is quite emotional at times. And... Um, Oh, she's in Blue Gate Crossing. Interesting. Mm. And Fan Liao is the lead actor, and he's mm. really good as well. So it's sort of like this noir, Chinatown-ish um, mystery. And it doesn't lose the mystery, even though um, a significant amount of the interest is in her psychological state and their relationship together. Um, mm. But it, it's online. It unfolds kind of really um, interesting way and it's shot to make China look really unappealing yeah. so it's not so it's not Zhang Yimo <laughs> yeah it's not like a wow fest of colour or anything but yeah. it is really well um, shot because that's not what they're going for you know yeah. so it's it's grim grimly shot I would say right. like Kim Ki Duk but yeah. better yeah well yeah. better than his of late have been. In terms of quality, not the cinematography. <laughs> um, third, final film I've got is The Guest. Right. Which is Dan Stevens, uh, who plays this. But more dancing. <laughs> more, yeah. Um, they're taking over. So, Dan Stevens plays this ex soldier who he knocks on uh, the door of this house, and it turns out. Um, Ruby Dee's in there. <laughs> and it's her house. <laughs> Sorry. But she wouldn't get a chance to say, is that my house? Which, she... <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't exist. She doesn't say that. I know, she checked. I know she doesn't say it. It's great. It's like Play It Again, Sam. It's just it epic, epic mistakes. 
<laughs> Ruby D isn't in there. It's um as sadly. In, actually, yeah. Um but it's the house belongs to the family of a soldier he was in a battalion with who was killed in action. He goes there as a way of saying, oh, I di-, you know, he died alongside me. He said he wanted me to tell you that he loves you and all this. In the most Nick Kershaw of ways. What's, what song is that? It should have died in your arms tonight. Of course. <laughs> um... So he ends up staying at this house for a week or so, but in that time, strange things happen in the town, and this guy may not be all that he seems. For a change. Indeed. And um, Dan Stevens used to playing a very likeable Goody Two-Shoes character on Downton Abbey. Mm. is not like that at all in this, and he does it really well, so... So it's like walking among the tombstones again, where he's playing a drug dealer there. Yeah. He must have had enough of all that prissy horse riding, etc. He's furthing. Furthing? Yeah, trying to actually get away from Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Um, But the film, it's... I liked it. It's kind of... It's a bit too repetitive and predictable in the first half because you kind of know that he's got these dark motives. More on that later. So it's not um it's not a surprise um to find out that he's been doing stuff that's not legal. Because mm. uh, it starts off a bit like walking tall where you got him sorting out the bullies who are terrorising the the yeah. his friend's little brother and making sure that the sister isn't being exploited by drug dealers and and you could kind of think like, oh, is it like Dragon Tattoo where there's not a positive male person in the film? Mm. But, you see, when they get past that, the explanation, it's underdeveloped, but it makes it interesting. And the last third, it really goes up a gear because it's got this kind of int- really exhilarating climax, which is like style central and it's set inside a Halloween maze and it's got remixed electro pop and disco lights and all the climax um the violent climax takes place there so it's just like a really weird sounds very reffing yeah it probably is but less annoying turgid dull yeah (laughs) just more i think more creative the way that it comes about you know mm. but yeah i wish it had been that creative all the way through but um i it made it go up at least you know probably about a grade for me just based mm. on that so uh, yeah done right so uh preconception corner this week we're doing the drop life itself and the imitation game mm-hmm Sorry, I was just enjoying sat on a sofa doing this. <laughs> um, so, uh, my your preconceptions of the drop, which you didn't see. Yeah, I didn't see it. I apologise. Um, yeah. Um, but I would have seen it. I didn't know the director, which yeah. was an issue. Yeah. Um, but I did, which was an issue. Oh, okay. Uh, Tom Hardy and Matthias Schoenert are pluses for me. I don't mm. think the 
I certainly don't think Matthias Schoenatz is a great actor. No. But I don't think he's bad. Um, he's great always, at some things. I always enjoy seeing him. <laughs> Tom Hardy, I do think, is a great actor. Mm. Uh, and I didn't... Oh, I knew James Gandolfini was in it, and um, it's his last role, so I yeah. will see it at some point. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was the guy who did Bullhead, which is a negative for me because I didn't like that film at all and that's what sort of put me off Chernot. Mm. but I wasn't worried about Chernot in this just based on the trailer because he um, it looked like he had a decent accent and uh, he looked like he actually had a bit about him in this performance which um, is sort of an issue I've had before with him I sort of like thought he was a uh, just a lump of meat in a lot of his roles but I didn't think that was going to be the case this time that was a preconception okay. uh, Tom Hardy I don't like in general I like him in Inception I think that's that's about it um, I just think he tries too hard and blah 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 blah. Um, so him being in it was n- a negative for me. I, if if it wasn't for James Gandolfini, I probably wouldn't have seen this film. Um, I knew it was because uh, uh, Gandolfini's super. I knew it was Dennis Lehane. So I, uh, I knew it was the writer of um, like stuff like Mystic River and Jet Ryland. All films I all films I like. Gone Baby Gone. All films I like. Uh, and I also knew there was a twist. So. Because it was in the trailer. <laughs> okay. Mm. Right, so I'm telling you about... Uh, so, no, we're going, so, Life Itself. Is this the haggis? This is the Roger Ebert documentary. Oh, um, right. Do you want to tell me why you didn't see this? Or in as kind a way as possible? Because I moved house. <laughs> he, I'm, I'm grinning now, smugly. <laughs> you would really want to punch me if you could actually see me right now. Arms, both arms... Both hands behind my behind my head, <laughs> leaning back, cross-legged. Can of red stripe wedged between my thigh and the edge of the sofa. iPhone six on the right thigh. I'm extremely detestable at this very second. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I I didn't like Roger Ebert at all as a reviewer, so I've got no interest in anything, any film about him. Okay. I didn't read. I wasn't a fan of his writing. Who was? Um, well, plenty of people. The Americans. Um, but I did... Um, he has had a lot of impact on the film community. Um, he's been around for a number of years. And I was kind of interested to just see how he started out and how things were for critics back then and that kind of thing. I was more interested in the film aspect of it than about him. And I was hoping that it wasn't going to dwell on his illness too much. Okay, shall I do this now? Do you want me to quote an Ebert review now or during the actual review of the uh, film? During the review of the film. Okay. Also, this is from the guy who did um, Hoop Dreams, and um, I have not seen Hoop Dreams, but I have seen The Interrupters, which was I, I brilliant. Want to, I want to re-see Hoop Dreams, because the more I know about I know a lot more about American college sports now, I think I get a lot more out of it. But I still liked it the first time around. Yeah, so I was, I was, you know, I thought it was going to be an easiest watch mm. that way. Uh, the imitation game um, for me, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I do like in general. I think he was very good in Star Trek Into Darkness. I think he was excellent in Parade End. But I don't watch Sherlock, um, so I haven't got, this, I haven't got the sort of fanboyism towards him. Um, with him in this, based on the trailer, a preconception was that he was going for that sort of closed off, 
Parade's End type performance, but I thought it wasn't, I just had a preconception that it wasn't going to be as good because it didn't look as if it had the emotion behind it. Okay. Um, the, I don't like Kira, obviously. Uh, Matthew Good, I actually do like. I think he's got a really beautiful voice, actually. His voiceover for Brideshead Revisited is just lovely. You said he was uh, terrible in Stalker. Well, he is, but... but uh, I thought he was the best thing about Well, he is. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me about that, but yeah. He, but, um, yeah, he, I, um, I've never really been wowed by him uh, in, in, in anything. Um, well, Martin Tilden? Don't know. He was. He did Headhunters. Headhunters, yeah, didn't like that, yeah. Okay. Um, but no preconceptions to like how that would affect this film. Um, the story itself, um, I do find that the... Uh, I know a bit, I know a bit about it. I've seen documentaries. I've seen the Robert, um, read the Robert Harris Enigma, which is a very bad film with Kate Winslet and Doobie Scott, uh, which just butchers it mercilessly. Um, but um, I was, exp- I wasn't. It did look a bit dry, based on the trailer. I thought it looked bland, um, which is not good. I thought it looked like Tom Hooper directed it, which is about <laughs> as far. That's as an insult, as big an insult as you give. Really. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I don't like Benedict Cumberbatch, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, because I think his brand of, he seems like he's always playing somebody annoyingly aloof, and he, it feels like he thinks he's being really entertainingly aloof, and I just think he's being a bit of an idiot, Hmm. so I was hoping that he wasn't going to be, um, he wasn't going to turn this kind of eccentric-ish character into a joke. Mm. Um, Kira Knightley I like. I think she's good. Mm. Um, especially lately, actually. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked mm-hmm. Headhunters. <laughs> I quite <laughs> liked Headhunters. I thought it had uh, took a lot of risks, but as we'll, go, as we'll talk about later, this got absolutely no bearing on Headhunters at all. So no. It didn't look like it did. No. Um, didn't know who else was in it. So, don't know the writer. And don't know much about cheering. No, neither did I. Um, right, so, The Drop, this is me then. Right, The Drop is based on a short story by, uh, Dennis Lehane, which, uh, he's written the screenplay for it, and he's expanded it out, uh, uh, to other aspects of it. The short story is called Animal Rescue, which might give you a little hint as to which strand of the, uh, uh, film was the original story. It stars uh, and is about Tom Hardy, who uh, works for uh, uh, his relative uh, cousin Marv, uh, James <laughs> Gandolfini. It's called, the bar is called Cousin Marv's Bar. And basically, Gandolfini <laughs> used to be a mobster of note. He had a crew which, involved, which uh, Hardy was involved in. But basically, when the Chechens came in and took over the territory, uh, they basically lost the bar. They still run it, but they don't own it. And it's turned into a drop bar. Now, a drop bar is basically a bar where everybody, all the hoodlums can go and just uh, get rid of their uh, money laundering, just like uh, ditch their money and uh, give it, give it. Uh, so they, they drop it off. Somebody else comes and picks it up. Everybody's happy, blah, 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 blah. And it's not every night that this happens in any individual bar, but they just like do the rounds so that, it's never, so that uh, they can get away with their nefarious illegal activities. At the beginning of the film, 
the bar that Gandolfini and Tom Hardy work in is robbed by a couple of masked uh, assassins, uh, uh, not assassins, because that would imply they're killing people, uh, robbers. And then it turns out immediately that James Gandolfini is actually in on it and orchestrating it. Uh, Seems on a the bit other like hand, killing them softly a little bit. Yeah, exactly, very much so. And on the other hand, the backdrop is that Tom Hardy uh, is walking home one night and uh, get this, uh, hears a dog in the uh, trash of someone's house. It turns out to be Numi Rapace's house. And uh, he starts a uh, friendship with her whilst uh, basically adopting uh, said pooch. <laughs> oh, Tom Hardy and a puppy. A pit bull puppy. Oh. And it is very cute. And the pit bull is the, the best thing in this film. <laughs> it is no, not in a bad way. Not in that's not me being scared. Um, it's just so it, great. It is, it is so cute. The dog. Really is. Is it? It wins the Oggy Prize, Dog of the yeah, Year. Yeah, absolutely. What's no it that thing? It can they have? Oh, the oh oh the golden bone. Oh wait, no, that might be the porn awards. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Um, the Palm Dog. Palm Dog. Palm Dog, that's the one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, shall I go and get beer number three and just like send us out, send us over the edge? <laughs> Golden Bone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So, um, so the dog's so, great. Uh, yeah, and uh, basically Schoenart's, um used to own the dog and he used to go out with the Apache and he starts to put the squeeze on everybody involved. Uh, and w- this is this got five stars in the times from Wendy Eyed as did Killing Them Softly right so, so she likes the crime I can, yeah I, you can see why she likes it and um, this is extremely predictable the twist is so obvious is that um, can we blame the trailer for that, or is it in the film? Already? I think you blame the trailer for advertising that there's a twist. If that, if I didn't know there was a twist, I wouldn't be looking for it. I still probably would have got it because of the way that it's more the direction than the writing. It's just the the way that they visually do a few things. It just becomes, and it's also in the writing as well. It's just all round, everything plays up to it, and I just thought it was unbelievably obvious, almost to the point that I doubt that it matters. Because I still did like this film quite a lot. And I liked it a lot more than I was expecting to. And uh, I think, in general, Hardy is fine. So, I think, if I'm saying Hardy's fine, I think a lot of people might think he's very good. Okay. If you see what I mean. Are Uh, you on the turn? No, 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 no. uh, No, Uh, in order for me to turn on someone, you have to uh, dance to Michael Jackson uh, in a a Judy Greer... Mark Ruffalo. Exactly, that's what it takes. It's that level of turn that you need to turn this one. Um, so, um, with the Hardy's quite good. Gandolfini's. I don't want to go overboard on this. Okay. He's not. He's not excellent. Okay. But he. But he. He gives a very fine performance. Um, and uh, Schoenart's when he turns up, he pitches it just right. I don't think it's an amazing feat of acting, but he pitches it just right because he's this guy who's uh, got a reputation as 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 a killer, uh, and he he's not over the top. It's it's more of a most death the woodsman acting choice type thing where you could 
uh, a lesser actor might try and go more uh, overtly uh, intimidatory, whereas he knows that he can be that uh, by just being quiet and just like both being himself. Yeah. So I think it's a good. I think it was a, not that I think that Chernots would be necessarily that physically intimidating to Tom Hardy, but it it, it works for the the situation. Um, Rapace, uh she's 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 fine. She gets uh, gets better the more she has to do. Um, but she doesn't have much of a role in all fairness, and she just it's she it's on the dead man down level for her. Oh dear, so it's not it's not a woman's film then. No, oh no, it's really not, especially with uh, the the with the end. I mean, you might have more issues with this than me. Um, with, with the end is not the greatest in terms of um, the sexism, <laughs> possibly. But um, no, no. Um, the nuts and bolts of the plot and the way it unfolds are um, not exactly the most revelatory, but I think it's more about it, it, it's told very. It shifts on. It doesn't. Uh, the pacing is good. Uh, it's nicely shot in general, and it, it's just well made. It's just well made and, and quite well acted, and so it that gets it above the uh, problems of the of the plot, which aren't really that much problems. It's just that you can see where it's going. Are you crediting Lahane with most of this then, or what? Um, I just think it's interesting. It's okay. um, because um, is it, was it a book? Basically, it, uh, it was a short story. Yeah, it was a short story, really about. Um, I think I'm assuming because I've researched this. I'm assuming, considering the short story is called Animal, Animal Rescue, it's about a guy shaking down uh, a Shernart shaking down Tom Hardy about the dog, and I, and then he's um, uh, done the drop bar as the backdrop to flesh that out yeah. uh, but the drop bar is actually quite interesting because uh, Gandolfini is doing this to uh, engineer a bigger hit as it were so if they get because it's the uh, he, he says something on the lines of well if you uh, if you're going to do a big one where's the, where's the place that you're going to um, uh, go the place that's just got hit because no one's going to think you're going to go straight back there so he so he's sort of done it to um uh, try and get um try and get the Chechens to do a bigger one, but um, it works it it works in terms of uh, the dynamics between uh, between the characters. I although I do think they they really shy away from showing any romance between uh, Tom Hardy and Numi Rapace. I think given where the end goes, I think they could have benefited from a bit from more an, a romantic underpinning on that. Because otherwise, I mean, I, I kind of get why they might have done it to show Hardy is more aloof and uh, a bit of a weirdo, but I don't know. It doesn't really. Um, it could have been, but be- it could have been better. But it's all very solid. It's um, it's not as interesting or as slick as something, or as or as well acted as something like The Iceman. Yeah, uh, or Most like, Wanted Man, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it's um, it's a good little watch, and um, I, I, I already have recommended it to people. Excellent. Mm. Great. Seven. Good, good. Top ten inch. Um, borderline, maybe. Okay. okay. All right. Um, next we have life itself. Um, I but- suspect that the more you know about Japan and movies, the less you will enjoy memoirs of Acacia. Much of what I know about Japan, I've learned from Japanese movies, and on that basis, I know that this is not a movie about actual geishas, but depends on the romanticism of female subjection. 
The heroines here look so very beautiful and the world is so visually enchanting as they live trapped in sexual slavery. I know a geisha is not technically a prostitute. Here is a useful rule. Anyone who is, in inverted commas, not technically a prostitute, in inverted commas, is a prostitute. As dear old Henry Togner, proprietor of the Erie Mansion in London, <laughs> used to cackle while describing to me his friend, the Duchess of Duke Street, sex for cash, my dear, that's my definition. Is the transaction elevated if there is very little sex, a lot of cash, and the prostitute gets hardly any of either? It's hard to say. Certainly to the traditions of the geisha house are culturally fascinating in their own right. But if this movie had been set in the West, it would be perceived as about children sold into prostitution, and that is not nearly as wonderful as, quote, being raised as a geisha, unquote. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, eleven paragraphs. He spent over a quarter of the, his review of Memoirs of a Geisha debating whether geishas are prostitutes or not. <laughs> How the hell yeah, can that's... anyone take this man seriously? Oh, come as on, a that's film brilliant. Reviewer? That is hilarious. <sighs> that is brilliant. I love it. Sorry. Tell me about life what, itself. Just, what was it? My dear old friend, Henry Togner. Togner. Oh, Henners. Oh, Henners. <laughs> I don't know when Roger Ebert became English. <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Okay. God, I need another beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, life itself doesn't have much of a plot. Because I'll tell you it's... what. You tell me about Roger Ebert. I'll leave the room. The room. Go, be... pick up, go pick up a restaurant. And then put the headphones back on. Okay, you've got about 90 seconds. Because I, I, I don't care about what about Rodrigo. Go, go. Okay. Okay, go for it. All right, so... Um, okay, what, listen out for the door. Life Itself is a documentary about... That's fascinating, Cal. Roger Ebert's um, career as a film critic. And it starts when he's in, you know, in the 1970s, when he's starting out. And um, basically, early on in the film, you learn that he was an alcoholic and that he met his uh, wife of 20 years um, in Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, basically the, the pair of them developed a relationship from that. And then it Right, headphones on. Then it barrels forward throughout the 80s and the 90s when he was in his heyday and had a TV show and um, became an online um, go-to for many people. That was the problem, really. Anyway. So you missed the part that I said he was an alcoholic. Really? Well, you'd have to be to uh, write some of his reviews. <laughs> well, he gave up alcoholism and alcohol in 1979. Really? So anyway, so I think the most interesting part of the film is his relationship with Gene Siskel. Because he had... Um, they had this TV show called Siskel and Neighbour at the movies. Yeah. Where they basically just shouted at each other about why Pretty the other much. one was wrong. It was like, pardon the interruption. It's ridiculous. Um, and there are clips of the two of them kind of shooting takes, like ripping the shit out of each other and one of them messing up um, and just disagreeing about how best to present certain reviews and segments. And I was just thinking, thank God we're not like that. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it's, I'm too lazy for us to be like that. <laughs> but we could be like that. 
Well, no, but the thing is, we've got respect the for each don't other. Know. We we've got respect for each other's opinions, and we also respect that people are allowed to have separate opinions. And that is exactly what Roger Ebert never had. He's actually on record saying that there is that uh, you can actually say objectively that one film is better than the other, and it's complete bollocks. Obviously, that is yeah. bollocks. Yeah. And the film isn't sugarcoating his personality at all. It does mention the alcoholism, and it does mention the fact that he was arrogant. Um, oh, clearly, if you think that your opinion is objectively wrong. Yeah, he was never, you know, he, he didn't think he was ever wrong. Um, and, you know, it doesn't make him out to be a martyr. And so I at think what, that point, that's at a what good... point did he um, uh, get the uh, Arsenal job? <laughs> Sorry, had to. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Sorry, strike, strike one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but there is some interesting parts um, that there's kind of a lot of filmmakers in this Scorsese's um, interviewed in this um, it was his birthday yesterday oh how old I don't know I just saw something on Facebook it's, he's 70s isn't he he's no. in his 70s yeah he's got yeah. me um, yeah it's also A.O. Scott's interviewed from the New York Times he's a nice guy A.O. Scott yeah he Go. comes across well I've never seen Manola interviewed, actually. Uh, I've heard a podca- I heard a podcasting from Cannes once, yeah. but that's about it. Her and A.O. Scott. Mm. Um, it's got a really interesting story about it. Ramin Barani's in it, and it turns out Roger oh, Ebert's yeah, quite pretty much influential, really influential, uh, getting him a career, really, after his debut, because he really pushed his debut. Chop film. Shop, was it? Man push cart. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he uh, he basically shoved it in his top ten of the year, and then shoved his next one in the top ten of the year. And you know what? I haven't got a problem with that at all. I I I don't have a single problem with Roger Ebert using his position to push forward his preferences. Um, I'd do the same. I mean, if 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 anyone. Oh cared, yeah, Crash. I mean, yeah. that was his number one. I mean, it, it's I think it's. If you got that position of influence, you are going to use it. I mean, if if well, I could, if I could have got people to watch Paprika Steen in applause, or I could have got people to uh, watch Samsara, or not even that. It, it, let's say Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, and um, Margaret. If I was, if I was uh, Roger Ebert, in or if I was in his position, I'd be saying, "Why are we talking about these people when you've got?" The, uh, for best actors when these two girls have absolutely nailed it and yeah. I'd, be, I'd be doing this every single time every single opportunity to just get people talking about it definitely it's you it's, part, it's part of the role of critics is to influence people for the better you know get them to start watching things they wouldn't normally so yeah I, I think he was more like that in the early days as well mm. but um, but Ramin Barani so it turns out um, they're really good friends. Ramin Barani's visiting him in hospital in the film. And there's this lovely story about, basically, Laura Dern. Abbott was really nice about Laura Dern at some film festival or another. And she gave smooth him... Smooth talk early in her career, was it? What? Was it about smooth talk early in her career? I know she got really good reviews for that. Oh, I don't know, actually. Um, but she gave him this jigsaw puzzle that had been originally given by Hitchcock to Marilyn Monroe and yeah. then Marilyn Monroe passed it to Lee Strasberg 
um, Dental Oradern, Dental Abbott, and Abbott gave it to Ramin Barani. So Ramin Barani's got it now. <laughs> but I just thought it was an interesting story. So, um, and he comes across well in it, Ramin Barani. Watch out for the range. Yeah. Um, and, um, <laughs> 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 and, um, yeah, to, the, the illness does play some of a part of it, and it is really difficult to watch, actually, the state that he ended up uh, being yeah. in. But, you know, he had um, mouth cancer, had a lot of his bit, like, jaw taken out and things like that. And couldn't there is the end. there is no question that the man had a passion for film. Yeah. There's just no getting around it. Yeah. But still, I mean, he was still blogging till the day before he died. Exactly. Amazing. I mean, you can't speak and you're still doing reviews. It's the, you've got passion. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I don't think it... I, you know, I wanted more of the Siskel stuff. I wanted more about the critics in the 70s. I wanted more clips from, like, reporting from Khan. And that was... I, I guess that's... Booing the... 2046. <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't understand it. <laughs> I wanted more of the cinephile stuff in it. I didn't get enough of that, but um, I do think it was good, and I would, I would recommend it um, hesitantly. But it's a, mm. it's a B, right? It's a B. Yeah. It's like this is this is what it's like. It's like it's like reviewing Ashley Time Redux and saying, uh, "I didn't see the first version, which the director considered unfinished." So, uh, so far as Car White or Wong's art grown and deepened in the meantime, especially in the great enemy for love. That I'm not quite sure why he set himself the task. Uh, apparently, he could he could not forget it, although many of his admirers have. I watched attentively. I was dazzled by the beauty of the palette and fluidity of the camera, and it was good to see familiar Hong Kong stars like Bridget Lin, Leslie Chung, Maggie Chung, and Tony Lung. Chu Wai. I've had Chinese names explained to me a dozen times about how the family name goes first and the first name goes last. It's just I never know how to deal with names that are half Chinese and half Western. Surely it's not Lynn Bridget. Is he trying to be funny? <laughs> are you having a fucking laugh? <sighs> I'm and then so then he goes on. IMDb is no help. He says while I was there, what where is, where is this in the review? <laughs> yeah, this is review. But I decided to eliminate the middleman and go straight to the New York Times review. <laughs> Which, alas, does not have a cast listing. While I was there, I decided to find out how Manola Dog is handled the plot, which was somewhat confusing. I respect her work. I'm sure you do. She's actually good. Uh, she attends to these things. Her plot, her, here is her plot description. Quote, see, there's this swordsman, dot, 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 quote, and that's it. That's all of it. Oh, wait. She adds that, quote, Mr. Chung, as a desert dweller called Ooh Yang, is a broker for itinerant swordsmen and their prospective clients. She doesn't say which Mr. Chung. Probably not the blind swordsman. So you're complaining that you didn't understand the film <laughs> and the review doesn't explain to you what happened in the film because all you do in your reviews is explain what happens in the plot. <laughs> Wait, so there's two Mr. Chungs and she doesn't explain which Mr. Chung. No, but, no, no, but the re- only reason he's complaining is because he didn't understand the film and he's gone to the review to try and figure out what happened. <laughs> It's a very strange way of going about reviewing a film to then say, oh, I tried to look at IMDb, but no. <laughs> so, it's a very roundabout method. It, or no method, actually. Anti-method. Well, the, the joke of Roger Ebert Reviews is that he'll spend three, at least half or three quarters of the review just detailing the plot. I mean, when I did, I did blog reviews for seven years and I'd never spend more than one sentence, well, out of 
out of principle from reading his reviews, I'd never do more than one paragraph on the plot. Yeah, me neither. There's no need for it. Well, well I used to review for this website and they wanted two. They were like, mm. one intro, two, and then the rest, whatever you want. Yeah. But it's like, two is way too much. You don't need that much. No. It's just lazy. Yeah. It's like you got it's, a word and it's limit. It's not interesting. You... That's not the interesting part of the film, you no, know. Tell so... me about t- tell me about what what's good about it. Tell me about what's interesting about how they tell the story. Yeah. Tell me about how it's acted. Tell me about how it's made. Tell me about the uh, subjects that arise from it that aren't to do with whether or not she gets paid for sex. <laughs> okay, film of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Film of the week, I'm saying this wrong. Yeah, The Imitation Game. Is this me? Yeah. Right, okay. So, uh, The Imitation the imitation Game is a biopic of sorts of Alan Turing, who, as Benedict Cumberbatch would say in this film, was a homosexual <laughs> in, the, in the 1940s. That's not a bad impression. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and um, so he, the, the film cuts between uh, back when uh, he was at a boarding school, discovering uh, the budding uh, uh, moments of him becoming a homosexual, and then uh, in the 1950s when he's picked up by the police for uh, being for homosexual activities. And uh, it's, it's a th- it's a three tier gay extravaganza. This film, it's a man, it's a manwich. <laughs> But the bulk of the story is about how uh, this uh, Cambridge professor uh, named Alan Turing uh, is uh, drafted in by the uh, uh, Ministry of Defence in order to try and crack the Enigma Code. Yes. Um, Okay. Um, I'm mixed on the film. Yep. But... I'm going to start with the negative, it's... and I don't want to be the gay guy complaining that there's not enough gayness in the film, however... Can I be the straight guy complaining that there's not enough gayness in the film? <laughs> by all means. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> there's a moment towards the end where Turing says, I've had affairs with men. <laughs> You're like, when? When? Where? Where are when? they? Yeah, and, and it's like, um, he just out of the blue turns to a random guy and says... Oh, by the way, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and it's like, well, well, not being turned on by Keira Knightley does not automatically lead to that assumption. Oh, <laughs> that not... is the beer. That was it. That was the burn. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have said that off uh, with no Yeah, words. you would have said that anyway. No, but it's like, it's, it's completely it's... divorced. It's completely divorced of time and place. Because the problem is, you wouldn't yeah. come out with that to some random guy when you haven't done... You don't anything to say they've got any kind of relationship. I mean, you wouldn't open uh, openly offer that in 1942. 51? Oh, the... No, no, no. Uh, Bletchley. Oh, when, he said, right. when he says it to one of you, you wouldn't openly offer that, that. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is my problem with the film. It's like when you have um, uh, Kira goes with one of the girls or at the bar and they're all talking about it. I, uh, if, you, if you watch these... Um, you know, uh, documentaries on Bletchley, you can have people who met at Bletchley who were married and never talked about it ever 
what yeah. they did what they did at Bletchley Park because he, you would have got sh- hung for treason. You just let, did not talk about it. So it, it's staggeringly unconvincing his, uh, inter- in, in that yeah. respect. He doesn't say I'm a homosexual. He does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does say homosexual. He has to have it finished for him by the other guy. Right. Oh, I'm a, I, Because oh, you're right. a homosexual, that's what he says. By the guy <laughs> from Downton Abbey. Yeah. That's another guy from Downton Abbey in this podcast. Um, it's all, the, very, it's the, all very fourteen-year-old grammar school boy insults, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's just a yeah, and it's <laughs> the problem is it's because they have to have this boarding school thing, mm. which is just useless. Why do they have to have it? Well, like to yeah, explain Christopher, the screenwriter, the screenwriter thinks that this is more interesting than showing him having affairs with men, and evolving, his sexuality evolving, which we never really see. We just see him as either a wallflower or mm. how he is now, really. Yeah. It's... I, I think a good comparison is something like Capote, because apparently in Dan Futterman's script of Capote, there was originally like, some co- some gay content in there of him like going to like, yeah, bars be. and yeah. all stuff like that. Um, but Capote works... Even though I've seen some criticism of, of that film in that he is a sexless figure in it, even though he's like living with Bruce Greenwood, I mean, come on, that's not sexless. But, <laughs> but it's uh, I understand the criticism, but the whole point of Capote is that he's a uh, is that as a character he's a moral bankrupt. Now the problem with this is that the whole point of chewing is that he's a homosexual. And in terms of how they do it, in term, because they're doing the um, the backstory to show him having feelings for a lad when he was younger, they do the uh, other framing device with Rory Kinnear, which is just straight out of Slumdog Millionaire. No, I quite like that framing Which device. is, again, all to do with his sexuality. And then the middle bit, is about him breaking the code and being a mathematician, and that is the interesting bit, and that has very little to do with with the, with uh, whether or not he liked men, women, or, or yeah, or aliens. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that because the theory of everything is going to come out, but there has been criticisms of the theory of everything because it doesn't go into his achievement, Hawking's achievement as much. It's more about the relationship. Well, isn't that the whole point of the film? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but this one is the opposite. Um, and I, whatever you say about the film's got a lot of other issues, um, negative points, but Turing as a person, absolute legend. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is like, I mean, great. That's why I said I, I, I jokingly said when Castle, "What's the add-on for?" <laughs> yeah, this one is the greatest homosexuals ever. <laughs> well, it's it's undeniable because, and I think that what the film mostly because I'm I got a lot of time for the film, but mainly it's because of what it says about legacy, yeah. and the fact that Turing was denied a legacy up until the nineties when this all finally came out, and the fact Pardon that it didn't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it didn't come out until then. Is is about the sexuality, whatever anyone says, and about yeah. what eventually happened to him, rather than any military confidentiality. Yeah. So, when this is, which is why I I kind of like the frame of device in the fifties. Um, I think Kinnear acts it well. 
I'm not yeah. the biggest fan of him, but um, I think he does it interestingly enough. Either yeah. He... But that's when you see, like, Turing going, like, kind of evaluating himself and trying to work out what he's going to be remembered as. and Which is pretty preposterous if you actually think that, oh, I'm going to tell you a story, don't you leave the room if you want yeah. to, and he's, talk, he's doing a police interview, and he's just unburdening it all. It's not excess- excessively convincing, but... No. It's played well enough between them, and I think those are Cumberbatch's best moments in the film. With yeah. Kinnear. I think he's good. I think he does well. Which doesn't surprise me, because they both work on stage a lot, and I think they would both have been excited uh, at the prospect of um, getting in a room together. Yeah. In the least gay of ways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's the that's the bit. <laughs> Um, what, so, I think Knightley does really well, um, although it's sort of like, things niggle me about the, um, the stuff at Bletchley, because all of the code-breaking, uh, things are really interesting, but then... Only four people are doing it. (laughs) Yeah, and it's all the stuff about, um, them growing to, like, chewing... It's very, very skated written. over. It's written. Very, very skated over. Yeah. And like the scene where they all it's, it's, defend yeah, we him all and go say, you. Yeah, yeah it's which wouldn't happen. It's no. not, the writing's not nuanced enough to make you believe that. No. Um, and. Lurching. It's lurching. Yeah. Um, it's also really schmaltzy at times. Um. They keep going back to this line about sometimes it's the people we least expect that go on to achieve greatness, and yeah, which is just a bit cringe. Yeah, especially when uh, yeah, Kyrus is back to him years later, mm. which is actually looking like a groaner. <laughs> but I I did really like that scene. Apart from that, though, because it's I, I don't think know. she I think, act. I think. I, this is, I think my, I don't have a problem with it because it's all right. But I think looking back on it, she's acting it like it's a horror scene, in terms of like she's completely kind horror. of is horror. horror. Yeah, like she's completely horrified by the situation. Yeah, and he's playing it like he's in half Nelson, or uh, or I clean. I thought he was playing it like he was or clean or Harrison sh- or, the hours. Yeah, yeah, maybe or, or Sherry baby. But I, I felt felt a bit more like he's playing it like a druggy type performance. Uh, okay, right. But um, I don't know. I think um, I think that it's just the if you could if you stripped away the the framing devices, I think you got the nuts and bolts of, of a pretty good film. Yeah, but you'd have to flesh out during in that moment in that time period and uh, I think it it couldn't I think it could work as a three framing device just make the college framing device a lot more interesting and fill in a lot of the personality blanks that we have there Um, I I think it was last week we were talking about good child casting with Jessica Chastain and the lass in uh, Interstellar I think this this <laughs> one it's very it doesn't match up between the two, and at the end the whole point of it is to show how he becomes this closed off uh, 
social leper. Hermit. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it just the 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 lad can't. It's it's too much, and it just doesn't. It's too much for him to do, yeah. and it does, and it's too forced. And I think yeah. that's my problem with it. the only problem I have with the direction. Because in general, I think it's quite well put together. And definitely, it's, it's well cer- edited. Definitely, it's, it's certainly an easy watch. Yeah. Um, but, I think um, I think the the end the final framing device um, resonated with me more um, because. It's just, I think, it's sort of like once you've done that, what can you do to improve that ever? Like yeah. that—that's that's going to be the achievement of your life. And you've never, you're never going to get any credit for it. Yeah, you're alone. You're in a world that's not going to tolerate you. What you stand for. So I, that's why it, that kind of resonated with me when he, him, and Kira have that scene near the end. But it doesn't do enough of that to earn um, complete belief because it's yeah yeah. and I don't know how much of it is true I don't know if the Christopher stuff's true I don't know if he really was engaged to this is um, the thing I'm not not interested enough to actually even Wikipedia it yeah I mean don't get me wrong it it was a decent watch it really was. It, it was it was as entertainment it was okay but it doesn't really make me... I've already seen some stuff on, on the Cracking of Enigma and it doesn't make me really want to look at any more about him personally. No. A lot more engaging than I thought it was going to be, but again, it, it's very, it, it very put, Oscar bait, earnest stuff. It, it, puts, it puts the gay in engaging. <laughs> <laughs> There's your podcast, the podcast title. title. <laughs> the gay in engaging. Gay in engaging. Um, yeah. What do you, uh, I'm going to give it B minus. Six. Cool. What do you think about the Oscar chances in a, in a King's speech sense? No, well, God, I don't, it's not going to have that appeal. What, just because it's not light-hearted at times? Too stuffy. Um... But it's about somebody more important than the King. Well, yeah. Let's I mean, be honest. Yeah, but they gave the best picture to stand up millionaire, so it's no enough. <laughs> And I suppose you could say they gave the best picture to English patients, so sod stuffy. But um, I just don't see it. Okay. I think Atonement had more appeal to the Oscar voters than this would. But did it have appeal to men? Because this is going to have more appeal to men, isn't it? To mm-hmm. Atonement? I don't you? know. You got to think, but the thing is, you got, you're talking about people of the retired age in Hollywood. It's but not. they're not, they're not, yeah, but this is more milk than, you know, um, yeah, the Queen mil- of the Desert. But then milk has, is their cultural touchstone. Mm. So. And milk was a lot better than this. We shall see. There is, there's much talk of um, Benedict and Kira being nominated. Kira? Yeah, so we'll see. Supporting? In supporting, yeah. So, and it's he- Weinstein. Heaven. It's Weinstein as well. Heaven forbid. <laughs> Two-time nominee Kieran Knightley. God, Kira two. It's <sighs> Margaret all over again. <laughs> Kira two, Isabel Upair nil. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're now going to talk about gay heroes, of which there are plenty, but 
mainly are we talking about characters or it can be cat well are we talking about original characters or actual people I was thinking actual people we can go we can go original characters as well I've got actual people and Mm. I've got actors Mm. well my um, the uh, the first one with this is obviously milk we've just mentioned it Mm -hmm. half yeah cousin cousin half yeah the uh, bar at the one of the bars at the Leeds Student Union when I was there used to be called the Harvey Milk Bar, but they uh, it was brilliant because they used to <laughs> on Thursday nights it used to be three pounds in and it was thirty p for a glass of wine and eighty p for a pint. What? And, and this was in two thousand. Jesus! It was carnage, and it was an indie night as well. So you'd hear like blur coffee and TV if you, if you want to end on that one instead. Um, <laughs> but they knocked it down. They got rid of it in like my, in, in like two thousand and two, and just built a club, made the whole bot downstairs into a club. Anyway. Where they play cheese, where they where, where the one of the worst moments, where the most is it, this is the most gay moment of my life actually. Um, I was on the dance floor in said club, which was the which the Harvey Milk Bar eventually turned into, and. Um, I was, uh, there's probably about like five or six friends and we're, we're sort of like dancing, dancing away and I sort of like, um, uh, t- turned, turned away and this, go- which, considering I was really big back then, gorgeous brunette, she must have been on the bed. <laughs> 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 Who can pull the worst guy? Um, this gorgeous brunette just comes over to me and puts her, puts her arms literally around the back of my neck and then 20 seconds later, Vanilla ice, ice, ice baby starts up, and I said, "Sorry, love, I can't," and I ran off the dance floor. <laughs> Thought there's no way I can pull to ice, ice baby. <sighs> no, no, we have to end with that. Under pressure, end with under pressure. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> uh, <laughs> heroes, I don't. I had Harvey Milk. If we go. What about Billie Holiday? Mm. Um, good old lesbian. Damn. <laughs> That's God bless her. <laughs> second podcast mention of Diana Ross. Mm. Played Billie Holiday. Um, which I've not Foster. seen. Have you seen that? No. It was 70, 72. Mm. Which was, was that the year of the live. And Liv and Liza, all the L's. Yeah. Love Liv, love life. <laughs> um, we've got... Someone needs to make a film about Tallulah Bankhead. Oh my god, yeah. Because what a woman. Blanchett. What? I'm, who would you cast? Blanchett. Oh. <laughs> um. God, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Right age. Mm. She'd have fun with it. Yeah, she would do. Might be a bit theat. You wouldn't like that, though. That'd be too theatrical for you. Well, it'd be alright for Liv. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe Marion in 12 or 13 years. Would she get the English accent? Mm. Uh, we've got Monty Clift. Yes. Awesome. L- Ledge. Legend, El Legendado. There is going to be a film 
starring Mickey Rourke about Gareth Thomas, the gay rugby player. Well, he can't be playing Mickey Rourke. Sorry, Mickey Rourke can't be playing Gareth Thomas. He is. Unless Gareth Thomas turns out, in, in, unless it's set 30 years from now when he's like a 70-year-old alcoholic. He had a bad um, accident in a scrum. <laughs> Good Lord. Where's Marissa Tomei? Have you got any more? Um, I think you've been doing most of them. Um, oh, Virginia Joe, Wolf, does that count? That does count, yeah. That does count. Oscar, uh, oh, oh, Wild. Yes, Stephen Fry. And what an excellent performance that is from Stephen Fry. I've not seen that, actually. Really? Um, Jennifer Ely has a couple of killer scenes in support as his wife. Uh, when The scene when she goes to see him in prison. Utterly knocks it out of the park. Total top tenage. Wow. Not, not that she I'm not biased. a lot younger than him at the time, surely. Did he have a really young wife? I don't know. She would have been... The thing is, she was older than Lizzie, so she was probably like mid-twenties at the time. Because um, it was only a couple of years after it. Brian Pledges, it was like 97. Wow. But, yeah. Okay. Oh, and... um. If there's ever a film made about Justin Fashioner, nah, gobble the season. Justin Fashioner. Okay, Shaq Mario Kill. Right. Um, so I'm obviously gonna um, not watch your one. I'm gonna kill the old Roger. I don't care. I'm killing the Retriever documentary. I would Shaq as I'm watching him right now. Um, uh, the homosexual Benedict Cumberbatch, and I would uh, watch the drop every week for the rest of my life. Okay. I would shag the drop. Mm. I would marry... You always shag shit or not? It's obs. <laughs> uh, I'd marry... Oof. Which is the bigger tribute? That's the question. I think I would marry life itself and kill um, the imitation game because I do think there's more that they could have explored to... Um, and I think he deserves a bigger tribute mm. than that. Yeah. Especially with the last thing they put upon the titles at the end. Yeah. Way to go, boys. Yeah, cheers for that. Um, okay, the Olsen, <laughs> the Olsen Factor. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Right, okay. Uh, knew me, fleeting moments of yes in a sea of no. Um, <laughs> that didn't mean to sound that harsh. That was actually meant as a compliment. Because um, she usually wouldn't be anywhere near. Um... That's definitely not a compliment. This is definitely the beer talking. Uh, <laughs> dig, dig, dig. <laughs> Imitation game. Uh, no. It's an easy uh, one for um, Miss Olsen. But if I retrofit this and go for Watson, it's probably still a one. <laughs> so what was the point? Just to disparage further. <laughs> okay. Um, the drop, I want to say yes twice, but I can't because I didn't see it. You can say yes to sure not. I could say yes to both, can't I? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, but I can't, can I? That you would be the un- trailer. But it's unprecedented. You didn't you, do it. I have. To I've what? Did I do it with some random Paula Patton film that I hadn't seen? I was just like, well, obviously she'll be here. Maybe. 
What Paula Patton film wouldn't you see? You saw baggage claims. <laughs> surely that <laughs> everything's up from there. Well, yeah, literally. Um. <laughs> oh, sod it. Um, one and one. No, no, no. We're not done. Um, right. Is oh, yeah, anyone else right. in the drop? Anyone else um, in the drop? Okay, life itself remains. I'll tell you who's I'll tell you who's in the drop. It's the Julia Stiles husband from uh Silverlining's playbook, Bradley Cooper's mate who tries to, who sets him up with a Oh the short one. Yeah. He no. is the cop who's um chasing down Chris uh, Chris somebody. I don't know I don't know his name. But he, yeah, he's the he's Julia Stiles Hempecked husband in uh Silverlining's playbook. He's quite good in this. Hmm. It's still a no. Um, Ramin Barani's a yes, and absolutely, and that was a surprise because yeah. I imagined he would be a lot older than that. Mm. Uh, nobody else in life itself. The Imitation Game. Matthew Good yes. is a close, but no. Ooh, well, I suppose he's more pretty boy for your taste. He's a bit too clean. Mm. Uh, Mark Strong's getting Hathaway. I. <laughs> that was a that's a serious Hathaway. Mm. I mean, it's almost a Houston. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they glued something on, anyway. Um, and uh, Alan Leach... Uh, Benedict, I know. Alan yeah. Leach is uh, from Downton Abbey is a no, but he's fine. He's more of a um, uh, Saldana situation. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Mm. Okay. Um, so, that's a, what is that? 4? 4.0. But it's more of, yeah, it's a, it's a light 4.0, because I didn't actually see two of them. Yeah. Okay, so we have a website, it's moveforpodcast.com, we're on Facebook, in the Move for Podcast, Twitter, at Move for Podcast. Just subscribe on iTunes, and then it'll come in. Subscribe on iTunes. It'll come on your podcast, you don't even have to download it, it's there. You can download an app for your phone called Casts, and it can automatically tell you when there's a new episode up. Um, if you thought this episode was funny and... Um, there's probably one of you. ...playful, then there's more where that came from. Also, um, next week we have... No more uh, quotings from Roger Ebert reviews past. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. Um, probably more Red Stripe. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, we have Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 you can just hear that cash cow being milked and because it's Part 1 it's blessedly only 2 hours only Um, I will see it Okay, someone's got to because of the boif the boif (laughs) so yeah outstanding Uh, does he have a penchant for archery then Yeah, I'm just constantly revolving around a wheel. <laughs> targets to be hit. There is. Um, there might be targets to be hit when we review Hilary Swank and the Holmesman. Oh my, you, you like that text the other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, explain. I was in the cinema, I was watching the um, trailers, and I've taken over the last like, month or so, to, while I'm in the cinema watching a trailer, bitching about the trailers to Cal while I'm in there. 
and uh, the other week, uh, the other day, Paddington. Yeah, Paddington. Um, where's the Paddington one here? Blah blah blah. He's. Uh, I said Paddington. My my actual quote is Sunday eight eight eighteen, and I quote directly: Paddington trailer. Full stop. Jesus fucking Christ. Full stop. To which the response was, I've, the response was, I've not seen it, but that week is dead, so we might have to. Kidman's project choices this year a bit iffy. To which my Definitely. response, and by the time I'd received that, uh, uh, the Homesman had started. The Homesman had started, and uh, the trailer. Yeah, my so my response was put me in the back of a wagon to Iowa with Miranda Otto, <laughs> rather than rather than have to see Paddington. But it took me a while. I was looking at it. I was thinking, what's what that? on earth are you talking about, Chef? <laughs> must have got that from somewhere. I was thinking, have I missed something in um, what was that moon chasing, reaching for the moon, reaching for the moon? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't think there were any wagons I, in there. Oh, there's there's a good lesbian. Oh, Elizabeth. Oh God! What's don't... it? Cost Debicki. <laughs> Oh, no, that's terrible. She's a Pulitzer winner as well. Yes, so is Ebert. Get over it. Bishop. Yes. Um. Anyway, we also have Get On Up next week. That uh, You know what? Bozeman looks really good in that. I know. Beware, Isaac, again. Mm. Uh, we also have Maggie Smith in a film called My Old Lady. So we will be doing... We might be doing My Old Lady next week. <laughs> My God, it flashes back to about six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Private joke. Oh dear. In a, in a public that format. is terrible, by the way. I'll tell you some more later. <laughs> okay, do you have a jam? Um, no. Is your jam. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what? I did used to listen to that when I was a kid. We is your jam. The sun doesn't rise in Eddington. <laughs> How many house songs have we got? Have you used to play some house music now? Just get, get some. Um, get some. No, I thought you were actually going to play some Daft Punk then, just for the deep house. <laughs> I could have played Lego House by Ed Sheeran. Oh my god, Sheeran, please god, no. no four, they played four Ed Sheeran songs before four o'clock on the radio today. And um, while, um, what's the new one? While the thinking that loud was playing, I suddenly caught the, the 63-year-old Tony at my work singing along. Like, oh, Tony, no. When you were singing along to Don't Blame It on the Night. I was actually quite impressed. Now you're just crapping all over it, Tony, what are you doing? Clearly, the badinage in your workplace is not good enough. Oh, it was hilarious today. It was outstanding, but whatever. <laughs> okay, so yeah, next week. Anything else? Is there anything at the art houses that we can catch up on? Not art houses, but um, it's pretty much pre- um, much like um, the Holocaust for Kate Winslet. It was grim, and unfortunately, we do get it, and we have to move on. But um, it is literally only three films that are out at both of my Cineworlds because uh, Interstellar is still out. And um, 
<laughs> my, my, and bloody Jennifer Lawrence is back, like <laughs> syphilis. <laughs> You look in your eyes. 